Seven Kingdom Hospital medical staff, attention. Hey, hey you guys, guess who's single and ready to mingle? It's me! <laughs> I am not looking for a... <clears throat> a lot. Just a man who doesn't accidentally call you his ex-girlfriend's name and can remember your one-week anniversary. It's just plain heartless, Kevin. Stupid Kevin. This concludes your announcements. Stay tuned for tears and mint ice cream. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And normally, I would say Benjamin Graham, but sadly, we don't have Ben Graham again today. Is it his dog's teeth this time? No, actually, uh, Ben has jury duty. Oh. Yeah, so instead, we've brought in a special guest. Uh, Those of you who have subscribed to our Patreon and listened to our first episode of Kids on Bikes will recognize this voice. Please welcome to the podcast, Jessica White. Hello, everybody. And today, we are covering episode eight of Kingdom Hospital, Heartless, and we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. First, our usual disclaimer my favorite part of the episode are sound sounds like shit. <laughs> we are recording you, remotely. You have slowly started <laughs> being very hard on yourself about the quality of our show. I was very optimistic the first few weeks. Now I'm like, fuck it all. <laughs> <laughs> Burn it all down. Yep. And I, I just have a few questions for Jess before we dive into this amazing episode. What was your first Stephen King experience? Oh, wow. Honestly, I tried to read The Dark Half, and I was maybe in like fifth or sixth grade because I had been told that I was a really good reader. And so I thought, well, then I can read anything. And even young, I liked horror and I was like, well, let's read the dark half. And I read about, I don't know, maybe the first chapter and then was like, nope, this is not for me. I think it was probably (laughs) way over my head. Also, the whole twin and the head thing really creeped me out. So I didn't read King again probably for another couple of years. And then I, I read Christine. Um, I actually didn't go back to the dark half until I just finished the dark half, I think in January. Wow. Did, was it better the second time around? Yeah, I think it was better. I wanted to like it more than I did. And I don't know what it is about the dark half that I didn't like, but like you guys loved it. My husband loves it. Like, I just think it's, it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess we have to have a new guest on for this episode. <laughs> Sorry, follow-up question. Why do you hate Alan Pangborn? <laughs> oh, I like Alan Pangborn. How do you not like him? All right, she can stay. Okay, fine. All right, my second question, we talk a lot about our favorite or our most disturbing Stephen King moments on our episodes, and I'm curious what your Stephen King moment is. I don't know that I have a moment moment. I love the Dark Tower series. And there's so many amazing moments throughout that whole thing. Um, I think probably one of the biggest things that sticks with me is Roland on that beach with the lobstrosities. Like that 
really re- like made me real just a little bit. Um, and like Pet Cemetery is my absolute favorite. So the whole like moment where, especially like that moment when church comes back is just such like a great, <laughs> like, oh, it works. Look at what <laughs> happened. Like, and then the, you know, that whole book just goes downhill from there. But <laughs> so those are probably my favorite, favorite moments. I really love that you included as one of your favorite moments, a whole series of books, basically. (laughs) The whole thing. I can't pick just one moment. That's a very CM answer. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just referred to myself in the third person. I will never do that again. All right. Thanks, Jess. Let's get into this episode. So previously, uh, Sally made quite a bit of progress in her investigations and connecting with key players. Richard intrigued us with black noise And Frankie, poor guy, lost his head again somehow. And this episode opens on my dream home. I thought the Rickman's home was beautiful, but this is an insanely beautiful home on a misty lake. I can't get enough of it. I know that some giant horrible creatures are going to come destroy everything and people are going to get trapped in a supermarket, but I'm ready for it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, I thought about the mist too. I did too. I totally thought about the mist, but my first note, like I wrote down opening. Um, I would like to live in that house, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. But instead, poor man's David Duchovny lives there. Ooh. And that is a great description because I was staring at him and I'm like, God, I know this guy looks like someone. Yeah, he looks like the poor man's version of David Duchovny. To me. So this guy and a woman presumably live there. And when we first see this woman, she is definitely fine. And our guy gets... I'll say. Our guy gets a mysterious call about the woman with the dragon tattoo. But we Just don't, like the song. Yeah, in the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that information is kept from the audience for now, though. We don't know what's going on, um, but definitely something crazy because the next time we see her... She's shot in the head. Right. Yeah. She did. It's a real, it's a real bummer. What do, you, what do you guys think she she did? I think she was a spy. I was just thinking she was cheating on him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, wow. so mad. I know. But there are people that get mad about that stuff. That's true. He, I don't know. He seems so cool, calm, and collected. My and the first- brief brief time that we know him you know that he's like super calm he just he gave off a vibe of being really chill but he I, my my thought was that yeah she like a thief or of some kind she, he asks the guy on the phone to describe the tattoo on her back and he's like ah that's her and then we find out that the tattoo is uh, shenron from dragon ball z but with antibus's <laughs> face you know what's scary about this scene though I bet a lot of women have dragons tattooed on their backs. What if that's not her? <laughs> when he asked for the description of the tattoo, I would hope the guy wasn't just like, oh, it's a dragon. And that's it. Like saying <laughs> it's a purple dragon with an ant bear face from top to bottom of her back is descriptive enough to really narrow it down. Man, I hope so. Otherwise, that guy is in trouble, except he's not. <laughs> He takes the ultimate way out of trouble. Yeah, he does. He shoots himself in the head. And this cuts to a very effective, in my opinion, scene at the hospital. 
Yeah, that smash cut is awesome. He pulls it the trigger kind of... and Bobby drops his pasta. <laughs> yeah, I ch- I cheered a little. I was like, woo! <laughs> it, was just, it, was such a, it was a great effect. Like, I liked the way it worked. So meanwhile, Stegman is forever, forever searching for the perfect parking spot. And he finally finds it. <laughs> what if that was Stegman's entire arc? The search for the perfect parking space. (laughs) And he becomes like a nice surgeon after that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he parks on the helipad, which causes quite a bit of frustration for Otto. But Bobby is totally unconcerned about it because they haven't had a helicopter land there in like 10 years. I also love that not only does he park on the, the helipad, but he gets those cones from his trunk and places cones around his car. Right. And I'm thinking, who has just cones? Like, I don't keep cones in my car. Do you guys keep trap cones in your car? No. And <laughs> Not he, since the incident. And in the, the other, the, one of the first episodes, he, the incident? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. It's under legal litigation. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it. He covers the handicap parking sign which i would have never thought to do like he's an experienced parker so josh i think you're right (laughs) yeah he's an experienced illegal parker i should say he's a very inexperienced legal parker all right abel and chris i always fuck up this name krista i've been calling her kristen so i think i have to stick with it (laughs) (laughs) or you can take this opportunity to correct yourself Mm, and say mm, krista no i'm gonna double down as it's her Uh, name Kristen and Kristen God damn it. <laughs> visit the Rickmans and they recognize Mary's doll. And Peter is thinking to himself, if only she could talk. And Kristen seems to hear him and gives him a really cool clue that I just like totally missed when I watched it the first time. She says, just like you, she can't talk, but she has stories inside of her. Literally. Yeah. Which is not at all what I was expecting. What were you expecting? I I just, I didn't, I took that comment completely at face value and did not consider there would be something secretly hidden in the doll. But the fact that something is hidden in the doll blows this whole thing wide open. And I can't wait to dive into more about this doll, but we'll get there. All right. Well, let's get there now because I also thought that (laughs) this storyline was really cool. (laughs) Okay. So what is inside the doll is newspaper clippings about the mill fire. And it has the names of the missing children. And Mary Jensen's name is on it. And that's how we find Mary's last name. So somebody can put Mary's name with her last name in a thing? (laughs) Yes. Because there was only one Mary in all of those, like, hundreds of children that worked there. Like, Mary is, you know, luckily not a common name at all. (laughs) <laughs> so there was just the one Mary and they were able to go, oh, it's clearly it must be her. But the fact that these newspaper clippings are in there means something very important. It means that Mary didn't die in the fire. That's a good point. I didn't. See, your that. eyes just got enormous. I did not think about that. I didn't either. And I, <laughs> Josh called me out. So now I can't pretend <laughs> I was going to try to be really smooth. Like, oh, uh, yes, of course. Go on, though. Uh, so, the, yeah, be, those those being in there. And there's another piece of evidence that she didn't die in the fire later in the episode that I will clue you in on when we get there. Okay, yeah. that one I did catch now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I totally knew that. 
course she didn't die in the fire. <laughs> and of course, uh, as soon as they get this information, Sally walks in and we're now Sally knows the the last name. Okay, we are going to come back to some more of this this interesting storyline. But first, we have to make a very important cut to our our two favorite characters. Segment and his mom. <laughs> <laughs> God. <sighs> That's gross. so gross. It never stops gross- being gross. But they're the grossest. Like, sure. and I heard you guys say Stegman and his mom after I watched like the first few episodes. I watched this series way back when it was like on TV. And I don't think I've seen it since. So I don't remember anything about it. But like I absolutely am grossed out by Stegman and his mom. And I cannot remember his mom's character's name. So ever since you guys said it <laughs> on my notes. It's all, everything. It's all been segment and his mom. I don't even want to tell you because I just love that so much. That's amazing. We've inadvertently created the longest running, disgusting joke about this show. And to be clear, we're not trying to shame anybody's kinks. This is disgusting because these two characters are assholes. So anything they do, we're going to tear apart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Gupta and Elmer realize that they need to check on Frankie's head. And Elmer had put it in the locker. And so they rush over there and it's gone. So kind of going back to our previous theory... Blondie taking Frankie's ghost head from Old Kingdom also moved his real head? Did they, like, merge or something? So what I what I think this now kind of implies, because like I said, we in a previous episodes, we've talked about how there are, are several locations that all physically appear to be the same place, but they're not the same place. There's the New Kingdom, the Old Kingdom, and then there's the, the upside-down version of the Old Kingdom which is the the in-between between life and death, it seems to be that things can be affected in that spirit realm and carried over into the real world. And this is very plausible, but I'm really disappointed because I just wanted a scene in New Kingdom of a headless corpse shampooing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it does also track, um, this is going way to the end but at the very end of this episode we see peter being led away by mary and we see his i guess you might call it his essence leave his body it's very complicated the physics yeah all right let's let's bring things back a little bit make them simpler let's cut to our romance novel loving cop who is foreshadowing ralph's death (laughs) officer anderson makes his glorious return after letting his subject, his uh, after letting his suspect be uh, mostly burned to death, burns over forty percent of his body. Do you think yeah. because he was a murderer, they're like, "Good job, man! You're you're still on this one." Yeah, <laughs> I do like the little the little flirty attitude between Officer Anderson and Carrie, though it is pretty cute. I could do with a little more of them. Unfortunately, instead of getting more of them, we are going to get more of slimy attorney who now we get the scene with his wife, he is unsuccessfully trying to convince her that he totally didn't do that thing they said he did. He's totally not the most second most disgusting guy on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I was disappointed, though, because he definitely, he just tricks her. Like, he changes the subject by asking her, hey, what's up with Rolf? And she points out something here that made me feel kind of sad, even though we as the audience know that this isn't true. She tells Slimy that... Rolf tried to kill himself twice and no one has come to visit him. 
And we know that the second time he's actually trying to kill Peter and he accidentally set himself on fire. But I was just like, God, like from the outside looking in, you do see this guy who's burned all over his body. He's probably going to die. He's there because he tried to commit suicide with his girlfriend. She succeeded. He did not. And he tried again. And here he is again. Also, he murdered people. You should not feel sorry for him in any way, shape or form. Okay, so one time I feel sorry for a bad guy. I think I get one. (laughs) The one time, yeah. Did we ever find out how he murdered his people? Like, is that something I missed in a previous episode? Or is that something that they're just not, it's not been revealed what Rolf actually did? Like, we know he killed people, right? Like, that's something we know. Yeah. But do we know how because maybe if it wasn't that bad like then maybe he does deserve visitors <laughs> thank you thank you um, I, I think he burned people to death yeah i think he was <laughs> oh yeah i guess they did make that as like uh they didn't come right out and say it but i suppose it was pretty evident like peter you calls like him to, a pyro yeah you like to start fires or whatever you say yeah which makes me and not to be arguing on behalf of a murderer, although I feel like that's kind of what I'm about to do. <laughs> Lighting things on fire is not okay. Don't do that unless you're having like a cool bonfire and cooking hot dogs or something. Okay, so he didn't like go in and brutally murder people. He set something on fire and there were, nope, I just got to cut all this. I can't, I can't come across. <laughs> also, you're just speculating a wild theory. <laughs> right. With no basis. It's possible he could have murdered people and then set places on fire. Or he didn't know that the building wasn't abandoned. It's true. Yeah. And then you still get in trouble, even though you put orange cones around it so nobody would go near it. Right. (laughs) I'm not allowed to talk about the incident. (laughs) Oh, my God. (sighs) Okay. The point is, slimy attorney throughout the rest of this episode makes me root for Rolf. He wants Rolf's heart and... uh, I had this moment when that comes up that I was like, what if he gets Rolf's heart and then Rolf takes over his body? I was like, is that where this is going? (laughs) Spoiler alert. It's not. No, no. Next, we're going to set up what I hope and pray is Stegman's downfall. We cut to Hook and Draper and she's asking Hook if he can get advanced sheets of her upcoming publication. And with one phone call, he's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got the this thing that's impossible. Sure, I got this. Which I love because in in another scene when we're back with Stegman and Brenda, he's talking about this, we find out, same publication that he has just really screwed Draper over on. He made her a contributor and he's taking all the credit and he's saying, oh, it's, you know, I can't get advanced copies. It's so hard. <laughs> the note I made before that reveal is we check in on Stegman when they're trying to get a hold of him to get his car off the helipad. And I said he can't Stegman can't answer his pages because he's too busy jerking himself off for also being published. And then, oh, wait, is this the same magazine? Uh, oh, wait. Oh, no. That is so infuriating. And Otto in this scene is trying really hard to get a hold of Stegman. Why didn't they just go to his office and knock on the door? Then... Otto would have to do his job. (laughs) That's true. It's just too far away. And Stegman asks Brenda, Brenda mommy. Sorry, I gave it up, Jess. (laughs) Her name is Brenda. She looks like a Brenda. (laughs) 
He's Stegman asks mommy if she can have another coffee accident on a copy that he found out exists for Mona's report. And I, the little baby talk they have between them is so gross. And I don't, I don't know what it is that grosses me out about them as much as it does, because there's plenty of like yucky romancy stuff that happens on TV shows. But for some reason, the two of them are just, it just, I just, I don't know. I'm with CM. Like my eyes want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, they're I don't disgusting. Any other way to explain that other than my eyes and my ears want to vomit when they're on screen together? I didn't even know that they incorporated the baby talk into the scene because I blacked out. <laughs> mm. Wise. She agrees, but only if Stegman is more affectionate towards her, which I don't know how he could do more of the gross, dirty stuff she wants him to do beyond what he's already doing. Is he going to have to wear a diaper? I guess that's just what I want to know. Are we going to see Stegman in a diaper at some point? Oh, I've never wanted something so disgusting. (laughs) I think that means maybe maybe he's going to do some more baby talk back. Uh, Maybe that's what she's really hunting for. Or just the fact that every time they talk, he seems to be asking something of her or uh, demanding something of her. So I think she she's going to force him to, I don't know, make them more of a, uh, a public couple mm-hmm. is what I wonder. I just feel like he's kind of a cold fish in general. Like he's, I don't know if you've noticed, he's not a warm, caring person. <laughs> he, he seems to be a little cold or um I don't know what word I'm actually searching for, but we'll go with cold and I'll just keep saying cold until it <laughs> sounds right. But he's oh, not and yeah, cold. But he's not an overly affectionate person in general, I would assume. So, I mean, maybe it's bad acting or maybe it was on purpose that he's just like not a warm, cuddly person when he's with his mom. Jess, I got your back. I know exactly what you're trying to say. Folks, you heard it here first. Jess has called Stegman a dead fuck. Ah, Yes! That is perfect! (laughs) Yes. He just lays there. (laughs) All right, wrapping up this scene, I just want to mention this because I thought it was interesting. He looks out of his window and he sees his car getting towed. And I swear, did it look to you guys when we have this overhead shot of the parking lot that there was definitely room outside of the paint for him to put his car. If he's going to put it somewhere weird, he could have just put it on the side over there and he might not have even gotten towed. That's very true. Yeah. But no, he's, he wants to park on the big H to be fair. Who doesn't who's driven past a helipad and not wanted to park on the big H. I was desperately trying to find out what sexual innuendo I could make with big H. I can't. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I wasn't ready. You should always have an innuendo locked for every uh, letter of the alphabet. I yeah, should. You, you know this. Oh. So we jump back to Slimy Lawyer, and he is on the phone asking very obvious and incriminating questions about organ transplants. Let's talk about this. <laughs> All I have written in my notes is that he wants a heart because I felt like this was one of those scenes that I was just like, Okay, I get it. Like, you're (laughs) unscrupulous. You are a lawyer, but clearly don't care 
about the law. Um, you're willing to skirt it. You're one of those people who's like, well, you got to know the rules to break the rules. And so it just like, he just kept asking these questions. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. The fact that he, he say he's like, all right, uh, what, what needs to happen? Oh, brain death. Okay. How does one arrange that? Uh, right. fuck. He's um, a very bad interrogator for being an attorney. Right. Yeah. And I like that he side eyes Rolf right after he says that. Uh, <laughs> nobody heard anything. You know who else side eyes Rolf? Ant Bear, because he comes to pay Slimer a visit. And Slimer thinks that Ant Bear is coming to take him to hell. And he's like, no, man, we're cool. I grant wishes and right. tell me what you need. I'm here to help you, man. He's so chill I love about Aunt Bear. it. I like, do too. Every time you shows up on screen, I just I clap a little. I get very <laughs> excited. I like anytime you incorporate animals into any series, I am on board, and oh, I yeah. instantly like the show better. And Ant Bear's <laughs> like four different animals. I know. Slimer does something here that I and I think all of us have done, probably as small children. When something's not quite going right or we want something really, really bad and we're like, please, God, I promise I'll eat all my vegetables. I'll 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 stop cheating on my math tests. Like he's just really bargaining hard here. He promises never to look at another woman who presumably isn't his wife. I'll never look at another woman again. Jess, did you audition for this role? Because that read was spot on. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I tried really hard. They wouldn't let me. (laughs) (laughs) So Sally is excited to tell Hook about their recent discovery, and he kind of bursts her bubble here. Ooh, wait, before before we move on from this, this is where we find out who the guy is that killed himself at the beginning of the episode. Oh, that's right. We he do. makes the deal. He says, you know, I, I need that heart. I'll do all these things. And as he's finishing this wish, this agreement with, with Antibus, he looks at the news and there's a reporter outside Kingdom Hospital saying that the heir, the scion and heir to the Knight Technologies Empire, it was being flown in for a gunshot wound to the head. Benton Knight is his name. <laughs> Benton like, Knight? The names, yeah, the names in the show are fascinating and they crack me up, but like... His was, I was expecting something grander, I think, because he had this big scene in the beginning where he like kills this woman and kills himself. And, um, but yeah, his name is Benton Knight. And I did write down because this drove me really crazy. I felt like that reporter was way too close to that helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept thinking, like, is she going to get sucked in? Because that won't be good. Then there's another person who's died at Kingdom Hospital getting sucked into the helicopter blades. (laughs) I don't think you get sucked in. Wait, how do you think helicopters work? (laughs) That's how I think they work, Josh. (laughs) That you stand too close to them and then you get sucked in the blades. Suck you right up. (laughs) That's why you can't stand too close. Got it. When they fill that that report that says how you died, what is that listed as? Um, Helicopter blades. Just, yeah, it's just a stand. It's a box they check at the hospital that says you have died because of helicopter blades. <laughs> I was just really afraid. Like, she could get sucked. Is that not a thing that no. happens? <laughs> I've never been on a helicopter. But I've always been a little afraid because I don't want to get sucked in. <laughs> oh, you guys, 
I'm not sure what to do with this. <laughs> I I don't know how to respond to it. I need a good segue away from the helicopter. <laughs> Speaking of helicopters, ah, here we go. Speaking of things that start with H, Hook is about there to burst. It is. <laughs> Nice. It's about to burst like it. Sally's bubble because she is so excited to tell him about their recent discovery. And then she gets caught by Stegman. Yes. She or on the way back. Yeah, so she Yeah, on the way back. She runs into Hook and she's like, Oh my god, we found this newspaper clipping. We know who Mary is now. And isn't this amazing? And he's like, Oh, that might be fake. And the look of disappointment on her face is she Sally's realest so moment. <laughs> she does. Fortunately, though, Hook is taking the papers to the hospital's wizard and historian who can confirm their authenticity. Josh, is this a thing in hospitals? You work in a hospital. Yes. I was going to say, uh, is this what you do at the hospital, Josh? Is yes. Is this your I'm, job? It's actually a sorcerer historian. Not oh, sorry. Historian. So we get some cool exposition here. Um, he knows all about the mill fire and he reveals to Hook, but we already know that they're on the same property. So I guess it wasn't really that interesting. Okay. okay. My note says Hook's an idiot. And sometimes I write a very vague note and then I have to remember. I remember exactly why Hook's an idiot. We're having this conversation and uh, the sorcerer says, ah, my grandpappy called that fire number one. And then moves on and Hook's like, oh, that's weird. I, I thought the fire was was a totally different thing. Calling something fire number one, <laughs> just throwing it out there. What implication does that send to you? I completely missed that. I was yeah. I, I was a little swept off my feet because he kept calling him Captain. <laughs> you call him Captain Hook. <laughs> I have that note, too. I was like, is he the first one to call him Captain Hook? And why didn't I think earlier somebody <laughs> should be calling him Captain Hook? <laughs> he says, I thought the fire had something to do with a hospital. And he says, oh, my parents called that fire number two. First of all, his family is very unoriginal. <laughs> yeah, right. Second of all, I don't know why this was so hard for her to grasp. Unoriginal, but consistent. <laughs> oh, so we also find out that the second fire, which Josh already spoiled this, <laughs> Not like in a bad way. You just you already gave us this information. That sounded really judgmental. Um, the second fire happened 70 years later on All Souls Day. And the first fire also happened on All Souls Day in the 1800s. I also love that he delivers the news. It's uh, All Souls Day. The same delivery both times. Mm-hmm. I just thought that like, maybe that's just how he says it. <laughs> That's how everybody says it. Like how I say mojito. I can't not say it that way. Like, hey guys, do you want a mojito? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I now want to. I now want a mojito. <laughs> All right, let's get back in the operating room, our favorite place to be. You know who's not excited about being in the operating room for any amount of time ever? Victims. Stegman. Got it. Mm. I was off by one. <laughs> And of course, this is where we have this beautiful scene where Sally has, it's like a, a cartoon moment. They're both coming at each other down the hall and she sees him and like, you can just imagine her legs like rapidly moving and smoke <laughs> coming out from them. <laughs> this scene is my favorite thing Stegman's ever done. I laughed so hard. He sees her and he gets Nurse Carrie to, to stop her from running 
And he says, nurse, take her to Autology, test her hearing, and then take her back to her room and confine her with an IV drip. And Sally is so confused. Like, why Why do you want to test my hearing? What's, what's wrong? He's like, oh, well, she seems to have a problem. See, I keep saying, and then he shouts in her face, stay in your bed, uh, malingerer Mrs. Munchausen. And then he just backs off and he's like, I keep saying it and I keep finding her around. It's just the strangest thing. <laughs> you know, it's moments like this and it's just the, the actors acting that I really want to like Stegman. <laughs> the thing that I love more is that then we cut to her in autology and Nurse Carrie is running the test. This made the, me feel like, dumb. <laughs> I was like, wait, is she just doing that to cover her ass in case that wasn't a joke? I'm glad you said that because my note was, <laughs> and then she does. Obviously, he was being sarcastic and didn't mean that. And he's the guy who threw a fit. She got an MRI because of unnecessary costs. So why would he want her to actually run this test? And a second later, my brain's like, this is a TV show. There's a reason they're in here. <laughs> and there certainly is. Let's talk about what that reason is. Also, autology is a different department and the billing's different. So he doesn't have to worry about the costs. Ah, that's true. This scene is the second piece of evidence that Mary did not die in the fire. Because as she's getting her hearing tested, you start hearing Mary begging for her life and saying that she didn't know who started the fire and begging for someone to stop hurting her. Which means Mary was taken and tortured for information and likely tortured to death. She was tortured to death instead of torched to death. Aw. <laughs> it makes me so sad because that child's so adorable. It felt bad. I, yeah. I have been wondering this entire time why she has those two scars above her eyebrows. Because huh. every time we see her in the flashbacks, she doesn't have them. So I knew they had to have something to do with her death. But I'm very, very curious what actually caused those. Her being tortured to death makes more sense as to why we have this haunting primarily with Mary and there are a few other characters, but it's not everyone who died in the fire. Cause if that right. was enough to keep them here, you know, with unfinished business or whatever, then there'd be more ghost children around. Yeah. Well, right. and it's the same thing with uh, like with Paul, Paul died in a horrific fashion and that's why he's still stuck there. You know, Frankie didn't die in a horrific fashion, but I think he's stuck there because fucking Elmer cut his head off. <laughs> apparently he really wants his head in the afterlife you would <laughs> think it wouldn't matter like you die and your whole yeah you know isn't it like i don't know i guess like i i was always told like i was a catholic kid you know you know if somebody loses their arm while they're alive and then they die and they go to heaven because that's a thing then god just reattaches that limb so you always go whole. So you would think that it wouldn't matter that his head got cut off, that he wouldn't care as much as he does. But man, he really, really <laughs> wants his head back. Like, it's just a constant struggle to find that head. <laughs> I wonder, so maybe he is in purgatory. Maybe that is what old kingdom is. And that's why we have the elevator shaft where we've seen you know, underneath, like that fire, you know, sort of representing possibly hell. And then, Josh, you mentioned from the book that Ant Bear was at the top of the elevator, sort of like maybe he's a gatekeeper to heaven. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe in purgatory, yeah. you don't get your shit back yet. 
what a real bummer. <laughs> it's purgatory. I, I think I stopped listening to the, <laughs> the Catholic dogma shortly after some of that stuff happened. Should have stayed for the purgatory lessons. Should have. Well, they told and me the helicopter safety lessons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They yes. So I will go on the record and say that my religious upbringing is the reason that I think that about helicopters. (laughs) Well, this scene ends in a really awesome way because Nurse Carrie can see Mary's voice waves on her computer screen. So she knows that Sally, something's happening. Sally is hearing something. And then Mary screams in pain and the glass between the observation room and where Sally is just shatters. That was awesome. Hook is going to ask Elmer for help. And he does it through puns, and I love it. And I wrote them (laughs) down. (laughs) So he comes up to Elmer, and he says, Lost your head lately? Give any head to anyone lately? Here's a little heads up. There's more. I thought you were doing the whole thing. No, I I just did three. You just bailed out. (laughs) Way to commit to the bit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The, and the look on Elmer's face every time he says the word head, it just gets more and more um, cartoony. And he just says, uh, you're going to, I need you to get me a copy of a certain anesthesia report. And Elmer freaks out because he doesn't want to cross Stegman because everybody can tell Stegman's losing his shit. And he says, fine, you know what? You don't have to get me the anesthesia report. I will just turn in this missing head that's conveniently still wearing your glasses this scene is awesome he's so elmer is in the sleep study and hook approaches him with this this request and he tells him if you need help get bobby in on this he has the magic key to miss powell yes thank you yes so massingale comes in and she is being really forceful with elmer and i love it but you know who loves it even more elmer 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 (laughs) So Elmer is put under, and he's having some sort of nightmare. And this gives Massingale an idea that she is going to bring Nurse Carrie in on. They're gonna they're gonna prank him back. Sweet, I, hilarious hospital pranks. I assume this is how, just like helicopters, this is how all hospitals work. Is that you just <laughs> constantly play pranks on one another and do crazy things like, "Hey, take this blue dye and and let's make me look dead." Because that seems to be fun for everybody. I the, Immediately, all I could think about was, how can this possibly go wrong in the most explosive fashion? Definitely not in the way I anticipated. No, not it, at all. It went from no. sort of a, what I thought they were setting up as kind of a generic thing. And I don't know. I, I wasn't really that excited about it. But instead of her being able to engage her plan she gets mesmerized by elmer's brain patterns yeah so the plan is she's going to be done up like a dead body and go lay on a slab in the morgue and then carrie's gonna wake elmer up and say that you know she had an aneurysm and was just gone in an instant nobody could have done anything and then he'll rush and see her and scare her that's this master plan of hilarity but yeah, instead she stares into the brain scan, gets mesmerized, and now her plan is Elmer's dream. Yeah. So he's 
we we cut into Massengale. She is in the old kingdom, laying on a table, no clothes on, blanket covering her. And Elmer comes rushing in, and he is distraught. Doesn't seem really aware of where he is. He's sort of only got eyes for Massengale, and he's quoting Shakespeare, I think. And yeah. he kisses her, and she wakes up. And so she realizes that they're not where they should be. And she's like, I I thought about coming here, but I didn't actually come here. And she tells him, okay, we're going to unpack this, but she tells him to kiss her again to see if they'll both wake up. And Elmer takes that as a cue to rip off his clothes and climb on top. Okay, we've talked about how gross Elmer is. What do you guys think of how this scene played out? I just wrote in all caps, scare fuck. <laughs> that's because that's, that's what that's called in the industry. In the industry? Yeah. The hospital uh, industry? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, well, also, am I the only one who, when Elmer is leaned over her, quoting Shakespeare, was waiting for him to grab the cover and look No, you weren't. Naked? I was on the edge of my seat with, like, I guess unearned disgust, just <laughs> waiting for this to happen. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to cop a feel or he's going to pull her blanket down. Right. Then I don't feel like that disgust is unearned if we all three were like, ooh, this might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was a little, a little afraid of that. Just because he's been so forceful with her, you know, in the past episodes and like kind of, I mean, definitely pushy. There's no kind of about it. I don't need the qualifier, but yeah, he's been really pushy. And then this like thing unravels, not the way I thought it was going to. And when he kissed her i was like uh and then she's like oh kiss me again and i'm like no yes. you've done you've set up all this work to be like i don't want to be with you like without actually saying that like she keeps giving him these excuses like you know your dad's in charge and you're too young and you know all those things that you guys have already discussed but like then she tells him to kiss her and i'm like no you can't do you can't even give him a little bit of rope you know, because he's he's going to take it and he's going to take it further. But yeah, I was really afraid that he was going to like full on assault her. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. You know, you well, bring up a really... We know he doesn't have a problem desecrating corpses. <laughs> God. <laughs> you bring up a really good point that makes me feel even more gross than I already felt. And that is essentially his plan worked. Right. Because if he oh, had not God, cut yeah. off Frankie's head. Yeah. The, the, the reason I made the note of scare fuck is because I think she is so terrified at this place she's found herself in. She's just latching on to comfort and knows that she can, without question, get some comfort and some grounding from Elmer because he's expressed his ready and willingness. And that throws and out the window. I wouldn't if you were the last man on earth thing. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. She didn't say if you were the last man on earth and I wake up in a morgue in and purgatory think I'm dreaming. <laughs> and apparently it, it it works. They wake up and Massengale's the one in the chair. Elmer says that he found her in the morgue and she's like, "Yeah, I didn't go there. Did you actually go there?" And we just don't know. We're not sure yet. And he <sighs> tries to force her to tell him she loves him, which is gross, and she knees him in the groin. I love that she says, tell me you love me. And she goes, don't be an ass. And leaves. <laughs> right. Now, so this, let's circle back because the reason Elmer is here in the first place 
is because his dad wants an image of his brain while he's sleeping because uh, in those earlier episodes, he tested positive for Project Sandman, a project we still don't know what it does, but we know that the only three positives are Abel, Krista, and Elmer. Is Elmer, does Elmer have some sort of psychic ability? Because we've seen the, uh, the other two, our Greek chorus exhibit plenty of psychic ability. El- does Elmer have a level of psychic ability that made that morgue hallucination happen? It seems like the show is telling us he does. Yeah, because she yeah. hypnotized watching his brainwaves. Yeah. And so right. did he, he essentially, without knowing it, pulled her into his subconscious? Ooh, man, that's creepy. Being pulled into Elmer's anything, not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut back to Slimer. He is trying to bribe Stegman. And I, I went back and forth in this scene a lot because... So he's just being so gross and gross enough that even Rolf, our our murderer, seems disgusted by this guy. And he tries to bribe him. He offers him $50,000. And Stegman, again, seems to be like, no, not interested. And then the coolest thing happens. (laughs) The reason they hired an actor with uh, sick abs, as we discovered in his first episode. Oh, my God. So he could do that slow, dramatic sit-up in his bed. He slowly rises from his bed like the coolest zombie. And he's, like, got his head turned and he's looking at Slimer the whole time. You're like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do to each other. (laughs) He is scary as fuck. Fuck. Yes, that makeup is so good. Uh, the one note I had about Stegman and uh, the lawyer was that going back to something that I think uh, is something Ben said in one of the early episodes that Stegman, uh, my note says, is Stegman actually showing integrity? He is Frank Burns. And then my next note is, he's swayed by money. He is Frank Burns. <laughs> oh, man. And Ralph, uh, Rolf, Rolf goes and grabs the the defibrillator and powers it up. And I honest to God for a second thought he was just going to go zap the lawyer because the lawyer won't stop talking about his heart. Yeah. And, and so Slimer takes a page out of Rolf's book and he also gets out of bed. So they have this exchange and I just love, so we have this nasty burnt guy standing there menacingly wrapped in gauze, nearly head to toe, like oozing pus. He's clearly in pain and he's, out of his mind and here comes romantic cop who shoots to kill and delivers a one-liner like he's in a different show (laughs) i i was terrified that rolf was going to zap nurse carrie because they show them start to walk into the room and Mm -hmm. i would have been really upset if nurse carrie would have gotten hit with it yeah well, she probably would have took one look at him and fainted and he wouldn't have needed to zap her. <laughs> yeah. But I do love that the, the only thing the lawyer yells is not the heart, not in the heart or not in the chest. Right. And it just <laughs> shoots him three times square <laughs> in the chest. And it's awesome. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up this story with Slimer. We cut to the operating room. Now we're with Mr. Knight. I'm sorry, Josh, we're- another hospital question for you. Because yeah. his eyes are sewed shut. Would they be at this stage? I, th- I made that note because uh, I'm like, maybe they just don't want his fucking eyes to open well, on the table like wondering. everybody else. But they took the time to do that. 
I, I guess. <laughs> I assume I don't think they do that as far as I know. But yeah, that was I thought that was really funny. But my favorite thing about this scene is that uh, the lawyer gets Dan Scotted. And that joke is for anybody who is a fan of One Tree Hill. Oh, I don't I haven't seen that. Mm, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Because this uh, this is something that exactly happens in that show where somebody is getting ready for a heart transplant and then a dog gets the heart and bites into it and runs off with it. Oh. And I laughed forever. So what this scene tells us is that Stegman and Blondie can be swayed by 50 grand. <laughs> Stegman's like, hey, I don't trust this heart to get anywhere. Let's keep it in the hospital. There's a guy who could use it. And then Blondie brings it right to Slimer. And let's talk that about this. Service. It's like, yeah. That takes, that takes service dog to a whole new level. Like <laughs> the dog was just trying to help is really what was happening. Blondie's really trying to get on the heart team. Yeah. <laughs> let's just talk about this. I thought that this was an awesome, awesome scene. For me, this kind of made the whole episode. Antibus shows back up at the lawyer's bedside. And he's talking about that he's uh, the nurse comes in and says that they're going to prep him. So he's going to have this heart transplant in the morning and Antipas shows up and he just, he says, I need you to, to go over this wish one more time and remember to be specific. Right. Well, he's accusing him. He's like, you are an attorney. Yeah. Right. It felt very much like Antibus at that point was then like, not only am I an anteater, I am also an attorney. And I am going to have you specifically tell me what you want and then sign this document afterwards (laughs) so that no one gets sued. (laughs) It was just, it was very smooth. And it's actually, it's very smart because what is, if Antibus gets sued, like, that can't be good. Yeah, I well, because he's a judge. He That's is true. A, yeah, that is true. Okay. <laughs> I want. I really want to see Antibus's law firm commercial. Now. Oh man. Oh yes, please. Can we do that? <laughs> In addition to being a judge, Antibear is also a gin, which oh. would be part of the commercial. Like, oh. hello, everybody. I am Antibus. Antibus. Wish grantor and attorney at law. That was a really good pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Very concise. <laughs> yes. We we talked about that Antibus is like an amalgamation of several animals. It turns out his hand really is a monkey's paw. Oh. <laughs> the so the the lawyer specifically says, I want the harvested heart of that tech billionaire uh taken out. I I want my bad heart taken out and that heart, that harvested heart put in. Put in. That is it. Full stop. And he should have been like, I would like that Stegman guy to in a sterile and safe environment. Or just say, I'd really like a doctor to do it. <laughs> any, any doctor. I would prefer it not be done by a mammal that ha- that is full of fur. But doctor would be good he doesn't even put on any gloves not sanitary that is true and like the heart gets dropped on the floor blondie just drops it on the floor and it gets picked up off the floor nobody even like takes a kleenex and 
Kleenex and like dabs it off and makes sure it's clean. I mean, the hospitals are supposed to be clean, but they're not that clean. You can't just <laughs> pick a heart up off the floor and put it in somebody's chest. And Amber is like, you want you want this now? You want this heart right now? And Slimer is like, yeah, man, that's so cool. Thank you. And Ant Bear raises his claw and he performs heart transplant surgery. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about this, otherwise very awesome scene, because it's very like a horror and gruesome, is that we we see how terrified Mary is. She turns away from the scene and she is sobbing and ringing her bell. Yeah. But she's still just yeah. a little girl. And I agree with you there. Like, I really liked the scene just because it's such a great, creepy thing to have Aunt Mare do. And, um, you know, for him to be like, oh, you want this now? Well, then you're going to get what's coming to you because this is what you wished for. But then for Mary to be as upset as she was, I was a little surprised and I guess a little taken back. Like, it took some of the joy that I had for the lawyer, like, kind of getting what he deserves it took a little bit of that out because mary was so upset about it and i'm like why is she so sad and then i thought maybe she just has a lot of empathy for people or you know she sees where this is going and this is going down you know aunt bear's just going to continue to like rip hearts out and replace them with other people's hearts oh yeah i'm gonna be i'm sure he finished the surgery (laughs) (laughs) Hook's gonna have to add a little a little bucket of dirt to his uh porn. To Aunt Bear's yeah. earth. <laughs> yeah. Put a little Antibus grave marker out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we wrap this up with okay, I've said this like three times. My favorite scene. This is so <laughs> this is so cool. Uh we meet a new character, and I think, I don't think we've seen him before. He's listening to the baseball game. With a gun to his head, which is how I listen to sports because I'm not a sports fan. (laughs) And he kills himself, I guess, because we end this episode with him in the Old Kingdom and he runs into an old friend. Hold hold, hold on. I just realized something. Hmm. That doesn't happen in this episode. What? My My DVD ends with her crying. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube, and it was Mary crying with that little bit of green smoke coming out of her. Mouth. Yeah, that's how this episode ends. Are you sure you didn't not like not notice the credits? I watched it twice, and both times it ended with that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So this must be the beginning of the next episode. Yeah, that's the beginning of the next episode. Okay, you guys, are we in the old kingdom? <laughs> Might be. Well, for everybody else, this episode ends with Mary and the green and the crying. Okay, right. we'll we'll talk about my favorite scene next episode. I guess. I guess. <laughs> so That's I'll. So weird. Okay, I screwed up. When I was watching this episode, I had my crystal in my hand. <laughs> Your dowser. You, you That's looked into the future. Yeah. Oh, it's a dowser. Stupid crystal. <laughs> Since Josh. You watched ahead and I saw into the future. Jess, do you have any predictions about what might happen next episode? I don't know. I mean, I have so many thoughts that run around in my head watching this. And like never before have I wished more that I could remember what happened, (laughs) like what this is actually all about. Because 
like it's so well done and I really like this series and it's really, really watchable. But it's one of those shows like if it wasn't so well written and it wasn't so much fun to watch, it would be ridiculous because there's so much bouncing around. There are so many characters and there's so much going on that like every time they establish a rule and I think, I know what's happening. Clearly (laughs) they're all dead. You know, and they're all just stuck in this hospital and they're all already ghosts and this and this and this. Then a new rule pops up and I'm like, well, but now that can't be like, why do they, I feel like they keep changing the rules, which keeps everybody on their toes about, you know, what's actually going on. But as far as the next episode, I don't know. I just hope that like Stegman's car gets like crushed, like into (laughs) one of those little cubes and he just gets it back as like he can put it in a, in a bag. And just carry it around with him. <laughs> at this point in time, it's what he deserves for just parking wherever the hell he feels like parking. You can't park in those places. So, and maybe somebody will get sucked into helicopter blades <laughs> and I will be vindicated. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for joining us. Join us for our next episode where we cover episode nine of Kingdom Hospital, Butterfingers. For CM Alexander and Jessica White, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, Everything around here is baddie, which is why only the baddie see things clearly. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Part 8 of Kingdom Hospital. I solved the mystery of my ability to tell the future. Turns out, I can't. I found out from others who own Kingdom Hospital on DVD that it sometimes shows you clips of the next episode, but it doesn't always say next time on Kingdom Hospital. So, much like me, Kingdom Hospital's bad at segues. As always, please follow us on social media or email us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon for some cool bonus stuff and merchandise. Or you can send a one-time donation to our email. And if you want to support us but you don't want to spend any money, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so that we can climb up the charts and reach more people. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.